Thanks for joining us here at New Song Church, where we are helping people to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. If you have any questions at all or just want to learn more about us as a church, you can check us out online at mynsc.org. It's the best way to stay connected with us throughout your week. And now, check out this week's sermon. You know, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about um, surrendering to the Lord and, and the life that we have in Christ. We talked about the cross, and last Sunday was Easter Sunday, and we laid just this uh, foundation about what Easter is all about. And, um, and remember, we said that Easter is not just meant to be meant to be celebrated, but meant to be experienced. And we all hear something like that, and we say, wow, that's so true, that's so wonderful. And, and, and yet, if, I, I guarantee you, if we were going, going to go across the nation, and we were to ask that question, the question of, are you living with resurrection power in your life? Are you experiencing resurrection power in your life on a daily basis? Do you... Do you do you only celebrate it or do you actually experience it? And a lot of people would say, well, I love Easter. I love the resurrection of Christ. I know what the Bible says. I'm, I'm, I love Jesus. But yeah, I still got some issues in my life. And some of them, I think a lot of people, in fact, a lot of believers across our nation would say, I not only have issues, but I have some serious issues. Let me say it this way. I have some things in my life that I certainly have not found freedom from, and I want to so desperately, and I cry to God, I pray to God, God, I want to be victorious in this area of my life, but I just haven't experienced victory yet. So if you're asking me if I live in resurrection power, I'd say to you, I, I don't know that I am. I, I know that I get to go to heaven. I know about the grace of God and the mercy of God in Christ Jesus, but I'm not really living this victorious life that I want to live. And, and today I'm going to teach you how to live the victorious life, how to live the victorious life. And we're going we're gonna to spring off of what we learned last Sunday. So I want you, want you to write this down in your sermon notes. Letter A, the pathway to victory. Remember how we ended the service last week? The pathway to victory runs through surrender. So the very first thing that we all need to do in this area of our life, if we really want to live a victorious life, we need to surrender wholeheartedly to the things of God. First John chapter 5 is what we're going to read today to start this off. In first John chapter 5, it says something about this nature. It says, loving God means keeping his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. So let's stop right there. We addressed this topic a few months ago, and if you remember correctly, I, I urged you to, to, to think about it the way that it was truly meant to be thought about, that that we don't, we don't love God by doing what, he command, doing what he commands. We actually do what he commands because we love him. Like his, his, his commands are not burdens, meaning if you're really obedient, that's not helping you love God. Remember how we said, you know what, if you, if you're, if you have children or grandchildren and you're just constantly commanding them, just constantly ordering them around, bossing them around, demanding perfection, that they might do what you're asking them to do, but you're probably creating rebellion in their hearts because rules without relationship leads to rebellion. Remember that? Rules without relationship leads to rebellion. But if you're in great relationship with your children, and, and, and I'm, I mean, you, you, you love them, you're, you're with them, you spend quality time with them, you laugh with them, you play with them, that when there is a command, when there is something that they need to do, you can just say, hey, I need to get that done, and they're not going to rebel against that. They're going to say, hey, no problem, Dad, I can do that. Now, will they forget sometimes? <laughs> yeah. Will they mess it up sometimes? Yeah, I mean, they're, they're children, but rules, rules without relationship, that leads to rebellion. But when you're in relationship, all of a sudden, it's no big deal. It's no big deal. I, you know, I never, I never hated my mom and dad. I never rebelled against my mom and dad. They really didn't give me anything to rebel against. Like, I, they, they loved me, and I loved them. And, I, and my children, my children are the same way. I love my children. I spend quality time with my children. And, and, and when I ask them to go do something, hey, go clean your room. Hey, go make your bed. Hey, would you help me with this? It's like, yeah, no problem, Dad. Now, they might say, hey, can, can you give me a couple minutes? I'm finishing that. Hey, no problem, Right? 
Like, like that's the way it's supposed to work. And so it is with your relationship with God. If you really love God, really, truly love God, you love his mercy, you love his grace, then his commands are not burdensome. And you're not obeying him in order to gain his love. You're obeying him because you love. And there is a huge, huge difference in that. So it says this way. Again, let's go to 1 John chapter 5, starting again in verse 3. Loving God means keeping his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. Like if you're in love with Jesus, you're going to want to do them. For every child of God defeats this evil world, and we achieve this victory. Notice that it says, it doesn't say not through our actions, but it says through our faith. And who can win this battle against the world? Only those who, here it is again, only those who believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Let's say it a little bit different of a way. Only those, the ones who are going to win the battle are the ones who have completely surrendered their life to Christ. The ones who are going to live a victorious life are the, are the same ones who are living a surrendered life. They're living a life in which they say, Jesus, you are Lord. And, and, and you're not only the Lord, you're my Lord. You're not only the Savior of the world, you're very personal to me. See, I don't really like it much when people say, oh, Jesus is my personal Savior. That, that To me, that conveys an idea to people who don't know Jesus. Now, I know what you're saying. You're saying Jesus is very personal to me. I'm in relationship with Jesus. But what it conveys to people who don't know Jesus, if you say Jesus is my personal Savior, you're telling them, well, it's okay if you have another personal Savior. I've just chosen Jesus. You can choose whoever you want. Right? That's not what we, how many know Jesus is the only Savior of the world? Can I get an amen to that? He is the way, the truth, and the life. There is no other way to our Heavenly Father except through Jesus Christ. He is the Savior of the world who happens to be very personal to us. We're in relationship with him. He is the Savior of the world. He is Lord over all. But my question is, is he Lord over you? Have you completely surrendered your life to Christ. And if you haven't, at the end of this message, I'm going to give you a chance to do that. That the first step to the victorious life is an act of surrender. But the next one, you ready for this? The next one, write this down. The next step to victorious living is to have a vision. Now, Next week, you, you would say, whoa, you know, but pastor, I, I don't need a vision. I'm, I'm struggling with this temptation in my life. I'm, I'm struggling in these areas that I'm not really free. I don't really need a vision. I, pastor, I need, I need you to help me. Well, next Sunday, I'm going to teach you about how to overcome temptation. How many know that we need to hear that one in America today? And so I'm going to teach you that. I'm going to teach you how to overcome temptation, just practical steps to overcome temptation. I'm going to help you out with that. But today, I'm going to tell you even more important than, over, than, than the steps that it takes to overcome temptation. You need to have a vision for what your life would be like if you were truly free from the things that's keeping you in bondage. Because when you have a vision in your life, it motivates you to keep going, to keep going, to keep going. Let, let me say it this way. If you want to lose weight, you need a vision of yourself skinny. And when you have a vision of yourself skinny, it helps you stay motivated. So a lot of people, you know what a lot of people do is they pull out a picture of like when they were younger and they set it somewhere and say, I remember when I got married, I weighed that amount of, uh, that amount of weight and I'm going to go back to that. And they keep that vision there. They keep that there because it's a motivator to them. Hey, this is what I want to go back to. This is what I want to go back to. It's motivation. It's motivation. Let, let me say it this way, though. When it comes to our vision, I'm going to break through some things today that maybe you do have a, a vision today, but maybe it doesn't, maybe it's not God's vision. In fact, a biblical vision, let's look at this, it's in your notes. A biblical vision is a divine revelation of God's desires for us. It is not a divine revelation. Let me say it this way. It's not a re revelation of your desire for you. It's a divine revelation of God's desire for you. That's what your real vision needs to be. So, so oh, okay, so let me give you this example. This, this room right now, like me, me here teaching the word of God, you sitting there, not a coincidence. 
I envisioned this day long before I ever had, uh, long before my wife and I ever started New Song. Before we ever held our very first service as New Song, I was already sitting right here teaching all of you. Now, I didn't know what you looked like back then, but I saw the crowd. And I, I saw me teaching the Word of God. I saw me, I, I saw me pastoring a life giving, vibrant, growing, healthy church. I saw a bunch of people who were just hungry for the word of God who said, pastor, could you just teach us the Bible? Like, don't, don't give us fluff. Like, I really want to know the word of God. I want to be changed by the word of God. I'm hungry for the real things of God. I, I'm, I'm a Bible believer. I want to learn the Bible. See, it's no accident that we're sitting here today. My wife and I, we had a vision. By, by the way, can I tell you something else? That 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 I, I got I got lots more visions. <laughs> like I am I am not I, I am not through being a visionary. In fact, one of the biggest things in my life is I'm not a details guy. I'm just not. I'm a visionary guy. I have visions that I have not told you about, and one of those visions is coming true right now. Like like can I I just I just uh, contacted a ministry that we partner with called the Surge Project. That's how we're planting so many churches out there. And I said, you know what? I said, because I, I got a vision that I've never explained to anybody before. I'm not even telling you, because if I tell you what it is, um, you, you're, you're going to say, whoa, pastor, I don't know if we can do that. Because it's a big vision. It's a big vision. I'll, I'll tell you an aspect of it. Can I tell you an aspect of it? I, I think in the next, boy, this is going to scare some of you. I think in the next 10 years, we can plant 1,000 churches. That's what I'm praying for. So I, I contacted Surge Project, and I said, hey, hey guys, where, where do we stand right now? Like, since we really just started heavily planting churches, you know, over, over the past, really a past year and a half, two years maybe, that we've really just been engaged in it. Did you guys know that just in the last year and a half to two years, we've either planted most of them and just been outright plants from us or helped partner with a couple of other churches, and that happened four or five times that we've planted now 25 churches just in the last year and a half. So isn't that amazing? That's just a vision that I have. And that's, that's not only, that's not only uh, just global missions. I, 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 got, some, I got some vision for, for here. Like, like, I'm working on some stuff because I got a vision, but, 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 but listen, listen, listen. The visions that I have don't benefit me. I'm going to say that again. The visions that I have do not benefit me. In fact, they cause me a lot of work. They cause me a lot of conversation. Sometimes they even cause me stress, everybody. But they're God's visions. And God, when I get stressed, God speaks to me. He says, no, 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 that's not for me. I give you peace. I give you peace. And then he just... He, 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 he lets me chill on him sometimes because this, this man right here, he can get passionate about a vision. Can you? Are you passionate about a vision that you have? Let, let me say this. The vision that you need to have, it's always going to be, if it's God's vision, it'll always be Bible-based. It'll always be given by the Holy Spirit. It'll be Bible-based. It'll always align with the word of God. God is not going to give you a vision that's outside of his word, which also is a way of saying it. He's not going to give you a vision that's outside of his will, and his will is in his word. It is going to be given to you, spoken to you by the Holy Spirit. At the end of the service, I'm going to pray over all of you. You're going to open up your hands toward heaven, and I'm going to pray that the Holy Spirit would give you a vision for your future that's bigger than what you think you can accomplish. How many knows nothing is impossible with God? Nothing is impossible with God. So it's going to be a, a Bible-based Holy Spirit vision. And you say, well, how do I know? How am I going to know if it's really from God? And then and again, call, call me simple. I don't care. But I just ask a simple question when it comes to that. When it comes to a vision, if you think, well, is this vision from God? Let me ask you a question. Do you think the devil would give you the vision that you have? If you have a vision to be free from sin, do you think that the devil could give you a vision for that? How many know that that comes from the Holy Spirit, right? Or if, if, if you say, you know what? Hey, I want to be part of, 
of um, you know planting churches. And over the next over the next ten years, I'm going to plant one church a year. Out of those thousand churches that we're going to plant, I'm going to plant ten of them by myself. Do you think the devil is going to tell you to do that? Everybody, come on. I mean, let's be real, right? Like the devil is not going to tell you to do something that aligns with the word of God. So you say, how do I know if it's really from God? Well, would the devil be telling you to do it? But how many know that the devil, how many knows that the devil loves to give people vision, but they are demonic in nature. They are visions that steal, that kill, that destroy. They are, there are visions that are, that are based upon uh, selfishness or, or narcissism or just entitlement. They're, they're visions that, that don't affect the kingdom of God. They don't help others. They're just for your benefit and yours alone. Can I tell you those? Let me say it this way. That God will never give you a vision that's selfish. Ever. Why? He doesn't like selfishness. He'll never give you a vision where you're the center of attention. Why? He don't like pride. I, I've asked, you know, um, I've asked a lot of people who are really trying in the music industry to become big and famous and put out records, and I would look at them and say, why? Why do you want to do that? Man, I just got this music. Yeah, I know, I know but why? why? Why do you want to be on stage? Well, man, I just got this music I got to share. That's the wrong answer. What if, what if we had some, and, and we do in this generation, we do. I, I think we need some more Christian musicians, more Christian singers that, it, that, that aren't living to be up on the stage so that they can get fame, but they can make God famous. You know what I'm talking about? That really have, like God will put people who, who really want to make him famous and that are living for the glory of, of, of his name. And he'll put them center stage and say, hey, this is my son. This is my daughter. I know they love me. They're going to bring glory to my name. And so all of a sudden they'll start, the God will just start opening doors for that person. But you know what? I've known a lot of people that wanted to become, and I mean a lot, everybody, that wanted, that wanted to be on stage. They wanted to have the albums. And you know why? It was all about them. And to an extent, I'm grateful that none of them, that I know that were like that, none of them are famous. And I think there's a reason for that. Do you know I have some other friends that are famous, but their hearts weren't like that. They just wanted to honor Jesus. In fact, when we hired Evan, Evan said, hey, uh, you know, I got some great songs. There's, there's these songs by Dustin Smith I want to bring into the church. And I just smiled real big. He's like, what's that about? I'm like, eh, I know Dustin. I used to travel with him. I used to tour him. No way. Yeah, way. Was he like what he is now? And I, I had this conversation. Dust, Dustin's the coolest guy. If you can ever, if you can ever uh, log into Dustin Smith, the guy's the real deal. And, and he's traveling the world. He's putting out CDs. He's... he's uh, writing songs all the time. I, I traveled with him. I know him. But he wasn't looking for fame. And I think that's why God made him famous. You know what I'm talking about? No, famous, I don't know how famous, but famous. Can I, can I tell you something? That if you have a vision that is just all about you, it's time to drop that vision. If you have a vision that's just selfish, that's egotistical, it's narcissistic, it's, it's self-serving, it's about your fame. It's about your wealth. It's, it, it's all about you. Can I tell you something? I think you need to pray about that. And maybe you'll hear the voice of the Lord today, the voice of the Spirit today, who will challenge you with that. And you, some, of you, some, some, some of you have a vision just for fun. I just want to have fun. I, just, I live for fun. And that, that just grieves me. It grieves me. You know, when, when I, I stay off of social media now a lot, I stay off of it a lot because it really ir irritates me when people are like, I, I just live for the weekend. I can't wait to do this. And, I, and, and most of the things that they post like that, it's like so selfish. It's so self-centered. It's so self-serving that it just irritates me because I, I know some things that they don't know. And one of the things that I know is you'll never know what true joy is until you learn to serve somebody else. You'll never know what true joy is. 
until you learn to help somebody in need. Some of the biggest smiles I've ever seen on people's faces, including the faces of my own children, happened not while we were here in America, but we were in a third world country experiencing the worst of the worst. And all of a sudden, God put them in a ministry setting, and they had the biggest smile on their face because they got to serve a child, they got to serve a baby, they got to serve a family that had nothing. And it put the biggest smile on their face. Why? Because they realize the joy of serving somebody else, of not living for yourself, but living for others. I'm telling you, everybody, when you get that, it's life-changing. Can I tell you some people, some examples in the Bible that didn't live for themselves? Let's write these down if you have your sermon notes. One of the first ones is Nehemiah. Nehemiah took over one of the greatest projects in, in the world's history by rebuilding the wall of Jerusalem and did it in less than a couple of months, everybody. It was absolutely amazing. Nehemiah, he had this vision to rebuild the wall around Jerusalem because it was, it was rubble at that point. In fact, I've actually stood at the place that, that that original wall that Nehemiah built is still there. I have walked where Nehemiah has walked. What he did back then is still standing today. Could it be that what you do for the glory of God will be your legacy that will stand for generations to come? How many want something like that, everybody? Can you tell I'm a little bit passionate about vision, about dreams, about purpose? Why? Because it's what God, it's what God desires for you. I have, I have no, I, let, me, let me say it this way, everybody. I, I have no interest whatsoever in being well-known. I just want Jesus to be well-known. Are you living life like that? Is that in your heart? Because it needs to be. We have other examples here. We had David. He had this vision, not only to see victory over Goliath, although he tackled that subject, right? But he had, victory, he, had, he had a vision to see that the Israelites would be victorious over all of their enemies. And you need to look at his life. David was a visionary. What about Moses? Moses received this vision to deliver the Israelites out of bondage. And we're still talking about Moses to this day. Because he lived out this God-given vision in his life. How many know Moses had some tough days in there? He had some tough moments. But he fulfilled the call of God upon his life. What about Paul? Write that down. Paul, Paul's vision was to spread the gospel and to plant churches, to which he did. And we read uh, most of the New Testament was written by the Apostle Paul. Everybody, he's still influencing us to this day because he had a vision. How about Timothy? Timothy worked with Paul oftentimes. Timothy Timothy had this vision to help teach and lead the early church. In fact, Paul saw that ministry, saw that gifting inside of Timothy and asked Timothy on multiple occasions to join with them. And, hey, Timothy, I'm going to take off to this other church. I'm going to go to this other place because they need a church over there. But I want you to take this one, and I just want you to teach them, and I want you to lead by example. And I could go on and on and on all day. You know, Paul, he was called to the Gentiles primarily, but we haven't even talked about Peter who was mainly called actually to the Jews that really weren't trusting in the Messiah. Peter was called to them. Everybody, your callings, your visions, they're not going to be the same. In fact, God designed it like that. You're, let me say it this way. You're not supposed to necessarily have the same vision that I have. Like God, God didn't call you to do what I'm doing necessarily. Maybe there's some in this room that have been called. I don't know. All I know is I'm responsible for my calling upon my life. I'm responsible for God's purpose in my life, just like you're responsible for his purpose in your life. You say, well, how do I get a vision? I, I don't really have a vision. And you love Jesus. I know you love Jesus. You show that every week as we come and we gather and we worship the Lord. I mean, you love Jesus. I just think a lot of you are missing out on a vision. And if you want to live a victorious life, you need a vision in your life. And you know what it helps you do? It helps you get your eyes off of you. It helps you get your eyes off of the temptations that you've always struggled with. Like, I, like let me say it this way. I, I, I stay so busy doing this, the things of God that I'm not nearly as tempted as I used to be. I don't have time for that. I'm too busy doing the work of the Lord. I'm too busy just trying to build his church and 
expand the kingdom of God. Do I still get tempted? Well, of course I do. Of course I do. But not like I used to. Why? Because my focus has changed. My focus isn't on me anymore. My focus is on him. There are five types of vision. I can't wait to teach this to you. Can you tell I'm having fun, everybody? It's just tons of fun. I love the subject. Five types of vision. And, and, and you're going to find yourself in one of these places, and it's up to you to determine which one it is. And you might want to circle it because it'll help you go to the next step. It'll help you, it'll help you go to where we're headed today. The first one is you got, a, you got some people in this room. We have some people in this room. We're watching online. You have a missing vision. A missing vision is seen in the routine or the mundane. It's the people, it's the people, the people with a missing vision are those that just get up every day, oh, I gotta go to work today, and then you come home, gotta eat, gotta do a little work around the house, gonna watch TV now, gonna go to bed. The next day, gotta go to work now, gotta come home, gotta eat, do a few chores, watch TV, go to bed. Saturday comes, <gasps> gotta do some chores around the house, and then I'll eat, then I'll take a nap. And what's for dinner, by the way? I really don't know what's for dinner. And then, well, tomorrow, Sunday, Sunday. Well, we got church. But then I'm going to take a nap. I'm tired. And then Monday, got to go to work, right? It's routine. It's mundane. You're, you're, you're living to pay the bills, but that's not a vision. That, that, that's just provision. <laughs> Come on, everybody. That's, you can quote that. That's pretty awesome right there. I just made that up right then, right? Like you, you, have, a, you have a vision, but you, yeah, it's good that you provide for your family, especially for the men in the room. Ladies, I don't know how to tell you this. This might be so politically incorrect. I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe it isn't, but I don't really care. So here's the deal. God put, it with inside, God put it inside of a man to be a provider. And how many know there's nothing wrong with that, everybody? We shouldn't have to make excuses for that. It's inside of us to provide for our family, to go and work hard. Did you know that that's the will of God? He said, if you don't provide for your own family, you're worse than an infidel. How many know that it's part of the plan of God that you provide for your own family? It's part of his will. There's nothing wrong with that. But if that's all that you're doing, got to go to work now. Got to pay the bills. There's more to life than that, and you are missing out on a vision. You need a vision. The second thing, you got a wrong vision. A wrong vision is usually driven by selfish desires. It's just when you're focusing on you. It's a wrong vision. A godly vision will always be for the benefit of somebody else. Now, God has the incredible, not only ability, but desire to bless you as you're blessing others. I'm telling you, New Song, I am a blessed man. I am a blessed man, but I live my life to be a blessing. I don't live my life to, to get blessings. I live my life to be a blessing. And God just blesses me in return. And I'm telling you, that's the way it works. If you're just living for the weekend, Something is wrong. Something needs to change. You have a purpose. You were created by God on purpose for a purpose. I promise you, you just need a vision that's bigger than you. You need a vision that's bigger than you. Number three, this is a big one. A stale vision. It's, a stale vision is when the drive that you once had just becomes dormant. Well, well, Pastor, I, I used to have a vision. I used to want to do, I, I used to want to accomplish. I used to think that I was called, but you know, I don't really know. You had a vision, you had drive, but what you once had drive about is now just dormant. It just went stale in your life. And I come across this all the time. Well, Pastor, I've always wanted to. I always thought it would be cool. You know, I had this one person come up to me and you, you, I, I just I just want to say this, you know, I don't know if you come and, and I'm I'm if you come and visit me here in the office at some point, I'm not responsible for what I say. I, okay, I am, but I don't know what I'm gonna say, okay? 
So I, and sometimes I don't say anything. So this is one of those occasions. Somebody came in the office, said, Pastor, Pastor. They had a vision. It had just gone stale. Pastor, I've always had a vision that, that, that I would just be loading buses and bringing, bringing people to church on buses. I didn't say anything. It's in my top right-hand drawer. I have the original keys, both keys. I, we, have, we have spare keys that we loan out to people who drive the buses, to drive the vans to go pick up people. And I just, I didn't say a thing. I just opened up the drawer. I gave, I pulled out one of those keys to one of our church vans and I, I just walked over to it and I handed it to them and I said, there you go. Why don't you just start right there? Don't start with a bus. Just start with a van. And I told them and I said, if you fill up that van, I'll buy you a bus. Like, I'll, I'll fund that because it's, 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 it's making a difference in our community. They never filled up the van. Isn't that sad? Isn't that sad? They never, they never took it over. I was going to hand them the whole thing. I said, man, it's never been what I've wanted it to be. You need to build it into something. And I placed courage within them. I said, I'll be behind you. I got your back. I'll make sure the van is filled up with gas every Sunday before you get here. I'll do everything I can to get you out there reaching people. And what I've kind of figured out over the course of time is that vision that was a stale vision stayed stale. It wasn't revived. They didn't allow it because they, listen, because they knew it was going to cost them something. It wasn't going to cost them time. It wasn't going to cost them fuel. It wasn't going to cost them money. It was going to cost them time and effort. Something that they didn't want to give up. They had a vision. It was just stale. It's no way to live life, new song. No way to live life. Number four, a vague vision. That's when you have drive, but there's no plan of action. You have, a, you have drive to accomplish something, but there's no plan of action. You want to hear another story? This is a, another great story that never, never really came about. That, that somebody approached me. This is years ago. Remember when the Plymouth Motel was located over by the bowling alley? Do you guys remember that? It was like this little ranch-style, really dumpy old uh, motel that they ended up demolishing and tearing it down. Um, somebody came to me. While that was still standing, they came to me and said, Pastor, I have, I, I have this vision. I've got a vision that we need to take that Plymouth Motel and we need to turn it over into a place where homeless people can stay and every night we're going to have devotions with them and maybe even make tar- part of it like a, an addiction recovery location. Where, and, and I said, oh, that's great. I love that idea. I love that idea. How are you going to fund that? Uh, I don't know. Well, who are you going to get to work that? Because that's going to take a lot of volunteers. Uh, I don't know. Can I tell you something that happens all the time? Listen to your pastor. Listen to your pastor. All the time this happens. People come to me with their vision, and they hand me their vision as if I don't have a vision of my own. I, listen, I don't lack vision. You don't need to hand me yours. I got lots of vision. I, I am full with vision. I'm not the one that needs a vision. You do. So they have this vision, and they try to hand it to me. Well, I don't know. I thought maybe the church. I thought maybe you. I thought maybe you could put the team together. I thought maybe you knew how to raise this money. No, 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 no. This is your vision. This is a vision that God gave you. I know it's God because the devil wouldn't do that. He wouldn't want you to do do what you're about to do or what you want to do. And what they had was they had a vision, but it was vague. They had no plan. And I try to teach people when they come in, if you've got a vision, you come and see me. And I will stay with you and help you work out a plan step by step by step by step. I'll help you work out that plan. But can I tell you something? When you have a vision, it's going gonna, it's gonna to take some steps of faith on your part. You're going to have to use some faith. And you're going to have to use some wisdom. Because the vision, lots of times God will give us a vision But when the vision comes, it doesn't happen overnight. If you have a vision to get skinny, how many know that that doesn't happen overnight? I have a vision to be even thinner than I lose. Did you notice how baggy my shirt is today? It's just so baggy. And I don't care. I'm going on sabbatical in a few months, and I'm just too cheap to go out and buy some new shirts before I go on sabbatical is what it is. All right, so just deal with it, everybody. Or I might just start wearing polos or something. I don't know. But anyway. 
I, I have a vision, but you know the vision that I have, I've learned something. It doesn't just happen overnight. It's just step by step, week by week, month by month. Sometimes, sometimes things go awry, right? I, how many know? Come on, everybody. If you've had a vision, and sometimes you know that as you're working out that vision, you're going to come up against some obstacles, and you need to live by faith. And sometimes you're going to plateau. Sometimes there's just going to be no movement for a little while, and you still stay faithful. You still stay true to the vision. You need to have a plan. And you need to, you need to plan for when things plateau. No, I got a plan. I'm still going to stick with it. I'm not going back. Like, I, I started this faith journey, and I'm going to complete this faith journey for the glory of God. I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep going. I'm just preaching to myself right now. Just, just keep going. Just, please keep going. Okay, so number five, you ready for this? A strong vision. This is what we all need in our life. This is where we're headed. We need a strong vision. A strong vision is having the drive and living it out. Like, you have an action plan, and you are living out that action plan. So it is having the drive and living out a God-honoring, culture-defying, kingdom-building dream. And I say those three things for a reason, everybody. Listen, listen, listen. That whatever vision God gives you, whatever purpose you discover in your life, it has to be God-honoring. It should not be self-serving. And it has to be culture-defying. Because if your vision aligns with culture and what culture is trying to shove down your throat, it's probably not a God vision. It needs to be culture-defying. Let, let, let me give you an example of that because you might, what's he saying? Okay, so, so uh, this happens to Jennifer and I a, a lot. Well, I don't say it anymore. I used to. Um, I, I don't now because I just don't want the conversation or the surprise look. So when you're, when you're checking out at some place, you're, you're buying some clothes or you're buying some groceries, but especially if you're in a mall type of setting, you're buying something and, and they, they, they would say, do you want to, you know, do you have a credit card with us? Do you, do you have, do you have a, a charge card with us? And we just, no. And I used to say, no, we're, we're debt free. We don't do that. And the look that people would give like, <gasps> you, you could tell that they haven't heard that all day. There's nobody going through the lines that is just paying cash anymore. That it's just, it's kind of expected as you're paying out, as you're checking out somewhere, that you're just going to pull out a credit card and pay that way because that's what everybody in this culture does. But how many know that we are in that area, we are called to defy culture, that there's a better way to live life, and it's actually debt freedom, everybody. Because when you're, when you're free from debt, you have the ability to be generous on every occasion. That, you should have amen that right there, but some of you are like so guilty right now. You're like, oh, pastor, did you have to bring that up? I'm, I'm telling you, everybody, if you have a bunch of debt, you need a vision. I promise you, God is calling you to be debt-free. The Bible says that, that if you have debt, you are slaves to the lender. If, if, you, if you carry a lot of debt, you're not able to give generously the way that God would have you give generously. A lot of you say, but I, I, I can't even tithe. Pastor, because I have so much debt, I got to pay the bills. You need to be debt-free because it's restricting the flow of God, the miracles of God in, in your life. You need to work on that. I'm telling you, it's a call of God. It's a call. That's a sermon for another day, but I'm telling you, it's a call of God. So it's God-honoring, it's culture-defying, and it's kingdom-building that whatever your vision is, it's making a difference in somebody else's life. Because you'll never know what true joy is until you learn to serve somebody else. I want to show you this verse in scripture. This is Mark chapter 8. We're ending with this right now. Starting in verse 22. Powerful portion of scripture. Then, then they, they came to Bethsaida. And some people brought a blind man. And begged Jesus to touch him. Now, notice what they're asking. Specifically asking Jesus to touch him. And he, let me say this first, by the way, everybody, just, just look up here for a second. That a lot of you might be saying, well, I, okay, I know where he's going with this, but pastor, this is about physical blindness. Listen, there are no mistakes in the Bible. And every word that you read in the Bible is meant for learning and application. It's meant for revelation, inspiration, application. Okay? So every time we read the Bible, we want to draw out of it things that apply to our lives. And so as it, even as I'm reading this to you, I'm trying to teach you how to study the word of God, that this is 
very applicable to what we're talking about today, and I'm going to prove it to you, that this is not just talking about physical blindness. There's a deeper spiritual truth attached to this portion of Scripture. Are you ready for it? It's going to be cool. Some people brought a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. Verse 23, he took the blind man by the hand, and he led him outside of the village. How many think it would be cool that if you had a need and you were living this generation, I mean, wouldn't it be awesome if Jesus Christ, the Son of God, came up to you and grabbed you by the hand and just said, hey, come with me. What a special moment that is. Oh, okay, so here's the deal, everybody. And somebody tried it for service. Don't do this. says, I'll punch you. Because you know how it is in America, in this culture, like if a guy comes up and wants to hold my hand, he and I are going to have a problem, right? Right? My wife can do that, but, but hands off, everybody. So sure enough, this morning, some guy came up and tried to hold my hand. And I'm like, I will smack you. Because in this culture, it just doesn't, that doesn't, it just doesn't feel right for us men. It, men, am I right about that? It just isn't right, is it? But, but if you go to India, can I tell you something about India? Even if you go to places like Haiti, third world countries, other nations all around the world. But my wife said this is just definitely about India. It's over the top in India that, that men who are married and have families, that men hold hands all the time. That in their culture, it, it's not, it has nothing to do, it's nothing sexual. It's about affection. I'm just showing you affection. I, I just want you to know that you're special to me. You're a friend. And so they hold hands as, as a sign of affection. Because Jesus grabs this man by the hand and he's telling him, hey, I love you. I feel compassion towards you. I'm sympathetic towards what you're going through. And he takes him by the hand and he leads him out of the village. Why does he do that? Here's a big theological answer. I think sometimes you just need to get away from naysayers. You need to get, you need to get around some, you need to get away from the people that are gonna tear apart your faith and be around some people that are gonna build you up in the faith. That's why you need to come to church here every single Sunday morning, because I'm gonna build you up in the faith. So he took him outside of the village. I think he was taking him away from the naysayers. And when he had spit on the man's eyes and put his hands on him, Jesus asked, do, do you see anything? Now, this is so interesting. Everybody wanted Jesus to touch the man. Now, could Jesus have touched the man and the man got healed? The, the, the answer to that is absolutely. Is that what Jesus did? No. Jesus goes... <laughs> Now, just for the record, that was not real. That was just fake on my part. I have nothing to swallow right now. I just want to say that out loud. Jesus actually does something that nobody expected him to do. And I want to tell you something. If you're following the vision and the purposes of, of Christ, if you're in need of a miracle in your life, can I tell you, sometimes Jesus won't answer in the way that you expect him to answer. You're praying for him to answer something like this, but sometimes he doesn't answer like this. He actually answers like this. And I don't, that's the sovereignty of God. I can't, I can't explain that because I'm not God. One of these days, it'll be made known to us. But how many know he's still good? He's still good. And he still had a miracle for this man. He says, do you see anything? And he looked up and he said, I, I see people. They look like trees walking around. Now, this is so interesting. The vast majority of theologians agree that at some point, this man had to have a vision in his past. He had to be able to see in his past because now he knows, well, I see things, it's cloudy, but I can see trees. Well, how does he, if he's always been blind, how does he know what a tree looks like? He, know what a, he knows what a tree feels like, but how would he know what a tree looks like unless he had seen it at some point in the past? Some of you guys have had a vision in the past, you just don't have it now. You've had a vision in the past, you just don't have it now. I love this next verse. Let this speak to you. Let this encourage you. Verse 25 says, once more. How many are glad we serve a once more God? That if you've lost your vision, once more God can show up 
and he'll put that vision in you. The Holy Spirit will show up and put a vision in you that you've not had. Once more, Jesus put his hands on the man's eyes. Then his eyes were opened and his sight was restored and he saw everything clearly. Let, let, me, let me describe this to you better. He, he saw everything clearly. This man that once was blind saw everything that Jesus wanted him to see. We need a once more in our life. We, we need Jesus to come in and open our eyes so that we can see everything that Jesus wants us to see. So that we could see his purpose for our life, a vision for our life, and that we could see it clearly. I said, Pastor, I want that. I'm all over that. I'm believing today that the Holy Spirit is going to speak to us. In fact, I'm going to ask you to stand up. And I just want you to open up your hands toward heaven. And we're going to do a couple of things here. In just a moment, we're going to invite the Spirit of the Lord to speak to us, to give us a vision, to give us a vision. And I'm praying it's, I'm praying it's such a big vision that you're, you're going to naturally think to yourself, well, I don't know if that can happen or not. I mean, whoa. I don't know if that can happen or not. I've always struggled with that. I just am not sure. Can I tell you? I'm asking, I'm asking the Holy Spirit to give you a God-sized vision to let you know that what you think is impossible is not impossible because nothing is impossible with our God. That God is a miracle-working God. That God is bigger than you think he is, everybody. And he can do far more exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or imagine. Amen? That's the, how many know that's the kind of God we serve? So this is a God moment. This is a Holy Spirit moment. This is a moment that I've been praying about all week. That as I speak this blessing over you, as I pray with you and for you, that the Holy Spirit is going to give you a vision and it's going to be bigger than any vision you've ever had in your life. And it's going to give you something to point towards and to work for, for the glory of his name. It is going to be God-honoring, culture-defying, kingdom-building vision. That's what I'm asking for. And I want you to be ready to receive it. But first, we're going to, we're going to surrender to the Lord. We're going to worship him just for a moment. And if you've not given your life to Jesus, this is the moment I was telling you about. I'm going to give you a chance to surrender. And this is that moment. And I'm not going to pray the prayer for you. The prayer that you pray today could be simply, Jesus, I surrender. I know you are Lord. Now be my Lord. Maybe that's the prayer that you pray. But it's not a matter of your words. It's a matter of your heart. I'm going to ask you, would you open up your hands toward heaven? And let's just worship the Lord for a moment. If you've not surrendered your life to Jesus... Surrender your life to him right now. I'm asking you to do that. I'm not going to embarrass your calling out, call you out. It's just going to be your moment with the Lord. Jesus, we surrender. We surrender our selfishness. We, we surrender uh, our, our egos, our pride. We surrender everything that would keep us from the purpose, the vision that you have for our lives. We surrender. And we come before you as we are in humble adoration. And as we surrender, we worship you. Jesus, we worship you as Lord. We worship you as Savior. We worship you as the one who, who set us free from the law of sin and death. That we are no longer bound by sin. We're no longer bound by death. But we have been set free because of your sacrifice and because of resurrection power. We thank you, Jesus, and we worship you. We say, blessed be the name of the Lord. Be lifted high, oh, most high. God, most high, be lifted high. Be magnified, be exalted in our lives, not just in this place, but in my life. I give you my life as an act of surrender, and I worship you. I worship you. Come on, new song, let's just lift up our hands to him and worship him. We worship you, oh, Lord, we worship you. We praise your name. You are good, Lord. We surrender to you, Lord. We lay our lives at your feet and surrender in worship, in humility, in adoration. We glorify the name of our Lord. We worship you, Lord. We praise you, Lord. We praise you, Lord. We praise you, Lord. 
Now, Jesus, with our hands open toward heaven and lifted high, we bless you. Heavenly Father, we ask that you give us a vision, a vision that is God-honoring, that is culture-defying, that is kingdom-building. Give us a vision. We receive it now. We take it by faith. Paint a picture in our hearts. Paint a picture in our minds of what you want our future to look like, about the vision that you're giving us, Lord. Give us a picture of it right now. Lord, I pray that you'd reveal it to your people right now, even as we pray. Lord, give us ears to hear. Give us minds that are open. Give us eyes to see what you would have us see, what you would have us know, what you would have us hear. Father, we receive your word right now. We believe that you are still speaking to your people. Your word says that we are your sheep and you are the shepherd and the sheep knows the shepherd's voice. Lord, it tells us that you're still speaking. Lord, speak to your church today, I pray, and give them a vision that's bigger than anything they could ever imagine. Lord, I speak it over their life. And I pray, Father, that all of us would live a life of surrender to you, that we would live for the glory, for the honor of your name, for the expansion of your kingdom. We pray it, and we worship you, and we honor you, and we thank you that a victorious life is ours in Christ Jesus, that we don't have to have all of the answers, that it's the Lord, it's you, Father, it's you, Jesus, it's you, Holy Spirit, that you go before us, you fight for us, that you give us the victory as we honor you, as we live for you, as we live a life of surrender and worship and praise. Father, you do the miraculous, and we honor you. We praise you, and we lift you high, and we give you all of the glory, both now and forevermore. As a church, it's our honor to play a small part in what God is doing through your life, and we would love to continue on that journey. To find out what your next steps could be in your relationship with Christ, all you have to do is go to mynsc.org connect. Thank you to all of you who consistently give, serve, and pray. You are the ones that God is using to truly make a difference in our community as we live out our mission of leading people to become fully devoted followers of Christ. We hope you tune in next week.